CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you, as we always are, for about an hour as we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, to look at things going on in the world from a biblical point of view, what you hear taught on in church, and uh, maybe you've just been reading the Bible on your own, come across something you don't understand. Hey, that's why we're here. Give us a call. we got some lines open, 88 88- 88 ask sends the number to call you can be part of the program today joining me today special guest featured csn speaker that comes on one hour before to every man and answer on the csn radio stations john randall from calvary chapel oc down by san clemente hi and welcome hey mike great to be back with you i've missed uh being in the studio with you guys and it's so good to be finally back home and settling in and, and back with the CSN uh, family here on uh, To Every Man and Answer. Yeah, you know, uh, it's always a blessing to have you with us, John. Looking forward to answering some questions with you. What you got planned for Thanksgiving? Well, uh, we have a, our church does an annual, uh, first of all, we have a Thanksgiving Eve service on Wednesday night. Uh, always a blessing, time of worship, time in the Word, uh, time of communion, remembering uh, what we're thankful for. And I always tell our church, hey, listen, it's not just one day a year. This is every day of our lives. We are grateful. We have a, a lifestyle of gratitude. But then the next day we do an annual 5K. We go down the beach trail there in San Clemente. We've been doing it for a decade now and just uh, hundreds and hundreds of people um, with uh, shirts representing Jesus walking down or running if you want to do the 5K all the way down that beach trail and back early on uh, Thanksgiving morning. So looking forward to that. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, well, John, that's that's great. Look forward to answering some questions with you today. And uh, again, 8888, ask CSN's a number to call. we got some lines open if you want to be part of the program today. With that, we'll go ahead and go to the phones. We have Alberto in Georgia on the line. Hi and welcome. Yeah, good evening, gentlemen. My question is, uh, it's like people, um, we we say that Hamas is really bad because it decapitated the children, you know, rape and all that. But America got blood on their hands. But to me, they're worse because they legalized abortion. They killed 16 million babies and they legalized it. And also they're trying to push another bill, issue issue one bill, where children are about to abort their babies without the parents' consent. So who's more worse? Well, I know that's really tragic. It's unfortunate that the Democrats have taken this stand of killing children, babies. Uh, it is uh, very, very sad. And of course, uh, those that are not killed in the womb, then of course, um, Governor Newsom, Democrat California, allows them to be chopped up in his state to uh, change their sex and all this kinds of stuff. I mean, these poor kids will never experience the, the fullness of life because of these butchers that, that go after them. It is, it is really monstrous type of, uh, uh, legislation and behavior. You know, John, you're there in California where, 
uh, unfortunately, the slaughter of unborn as well as those that uh, are alive are uh, under the gun, under the knife. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would just, uh, Alberto, I, I wouldn't disagree that uh, America has its problems in uh, as well as uh, other parts of the world. But to say that America is worse than Hamas is uh, uh, that's, that's that, a little much. Yeah, the one thing that's different, I think, about um, well, well, first of all, to comment on on the abortion issue, yeah, there is, we are go- we do have blood on our hands. The, you are you are right, you are accurate in that, and God is going to judge, uh, I believe, and um, and I think it's a matter of time before that full retribution uh, is is uh, poured out. I will say the difference between us and other places is that we can fight against it. In fact, uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, which is a huge, huge uh, blessing in so many states. And and the number of abortions has gone down significantly because people, you wish it would have happened earlier, but it didn't. But it has happened. And if you're if you're where Hamas is ruling, you you have no say whatsoever. You you want to be a Christian? You want to turn against Islam? You're you're a dead person, no matter what. So it, there is evil everywhere, and so when I see evil, uh, and really just the evidence of it, I um I, I long for the day when the Lord's going to establish His kingdom. Mike, it is it is sick, yeah, it's it sad, awesome. it's horrible. But I I just keep looking up and I and I pray. And you're right, there is a day coming when judgment will will follow. What are we What are we supposed to do right now? We're supposed to be preaching the gospel, trying to reach people uh, with the message of Jesus Christ in America and everywhere. Jesus said, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel." So I, I don't know that I would do a comparison between those two, but I do agree there is evil in both places. And 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 really, when you look at it, any place you go apart from Christ is is has that that evil it, it is just an unfortunate part of the fallenness of man and um you know whether you look at the abortion rate in America you look at what Germany did in the holocaust uh whether you look at what Hamas has done uh the world uh is ripe for a judgment and this i believe in part is what The book of Revelation is about not only God dealing with his nation of Israel that final last seven-year period of time, but also God bringing a judgment upon the world for its its rejection of him and his ways. And so, Alberto, uh, yeah, uh, I think that um, um, there there are real problems. That's why we need to vote righteously, and um, more than anything else, we need to protect the unborn from the butchers. So I hope that helps. Okay. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, gentlemen. Alberto, happy Thanksgiving to you. Wonderful to uh, have you with us, and God bless you. 8888. Ask CSN's the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. Let's go to Ben, Arkansas. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. How may we help? Okay, so I want to say first off that I'm I'm not a chauvinist. So I want everyone, for for you guys and for the listeners to know that I, I I just came across this in my reading and I and I asked my pastor and I got a little bit I, I don't want to throw him under the bus or anything, but I just wanted to get your opinion. It's on First Corinthians fourteen thirty four through thirty eight, and it's talking about um, how women basically shouldn't be. Uh, edifying and and uh, prophetic speaking in church, and if they have a question, they should ask their husband at home. Um, and so I asked my pastor that, 
And he said that most people interpret that wrong because it's meant for um, the cultural times. And, and whereas I understand that, if we take that as cultural times and for all of Paul's teachings and all of his letters, how do we, how do we differentiate from saying, well, this is just based on culture and no, this is actually how the church is supposed to be or in order. Well, uh, and, and so I believe whenever we find a question like this, Ben, we need to go to other places in scripture that would bring clarity to the question. And of course, if we go to a Timothy as an example, um, where Paul writes and he says that he wouldn't allow a woman to usurp the authority of a man because he said it wasn't, it wasn't Adam who was deceived. It was Eve. And so this is why, uh, Paul was, was against women pastors. Now, I think women have a lot to say. I think they have a lot to say in the church. And I think sometimes they have a lot to say to men. I believe if a woman, as an example, is under the authority of her fellowship, under the authority of a man, even sent out as a missionary, I thank God for all the Christian women missionaries in the world right now that uh, followed the calling of God to be about their father's business. Now, understanding that, when it comes to the senior pastor of a church, the Bible uh, says, Paul says, this isn't, uh, this isn't right. Now, I know I'm probably making some people mad at me right now, but that's okay, because the Bible tells us what God's normal is. Now, they will oftentimes misquote a verse saying, well, what about the verse that says there's neither Jew nor Greek, uh, 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 male or female, um, Jew or Gentile, that is talking about coming to salvation. We all come to salvation the same way. But the roles in the church, I believe, are very well defined. Both Old Testament carried over, then into the New Testament. We don't find any women priestesses in the temple. We don't find any uh, women pastors in the New Testament. People will say, oh, well, 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 wait a minute, what about, what about Deborah in the Bible? Deborah was not a priest. She was a governor or a judge, if you will, uh, thus listed in the book of Judges. Uh, this is what that's about. It does not say she was leading people into the ways of God. And I think this is really, really important because people oftentimes don't look at all the other verses that will clarify what this is. I do not believe that this is a, uh, um, you know, time-sensitive thing where Paul was just addressing the issues of the day. I believe, again, as it's fortified in Timothy, where he says that it wasn't man who was deceived, it was woman. Adam willfully ate of the tree. The woman was deceived. And because of that, and he cites that, for the reason why women should not be pastors, shows that it is not a a cultural issue. It is a gender issue. Uh-oh, I know I said the uh, 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 hit button buzzword. No, there are differences. And unfortunately, in a very goofed up, messed up society as our is, well, there's no difference between men and women. Uh, pardon me, your chromosomes are different. 
Your body parts are different. What a woman can do, a man can't do. What a man can do, a woman can't do. Yet they're trying to say, hey, everybody's the same. One of the magazines had a uh, uh, some some woman who had ate some steroids, had a beard, and men can get pregnant too. What a absolutely ludicrous insult to the intelligence of the reader statement that was, that article was in that magazine. Women have babies, men do not. I don't care how much you chop on a person. I don't care what you do to the person. Your DNA will always say whether you're a man or you're a woman. Yes, I know science enters into this, which is fact, not feelings. Well, I feel like a girl today, so I'll put on a dress and compete in women's sports, win all the the championships because I'm bigger and stronger. I, I just have a dress on, win all the scholarships, and the women can take the back seat. Friends, that's discrimination. Uh, that, that is, that is complete abuse of our system. But yet we're finding this more and more now in the sports world. So going back to your question, where, um, you know, women should be quiet in church. If you go to Israel today, you'll notice at the, the, the Western Wall, you'll, you'll see, uh, men on one side, women on the other. It was common in those days for women to yell across the aisle. What does he mean by that? Well, I believe that, of course, sure, is part what Paul is addressing here. But I believe it's also addressing much more than that. Your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, it's a great question, Ben. It's one that comes up uh, quite often, and especially in our day and age. And I think whenever you read um, difficult passages in Scripture, it's important to consider the context. So, for example, the letter to the Corinthians was a correspondence from the Apostle Paul that was actually full of correction, that focused on a variety of divisive issues that had actually surfaced within the congregation. And so throughout the epistle, when you read it just from, you know, cover to cover of of 1 Corinthians, throughout the epistle, you'll see Paul mention two words, and the words are, now and about. He'll say, now about. It occurs several times in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 12. And those two words, now about, serve as a transition point as Paul moves from one issue to another issue, to a question, to another question. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 through 14, Paul is discussing what was actually going on in the church when they gathered together, when they would have the general assembly of the church come together. Starts in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18. When you come together, here's here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's some points I want to make. When the first when you get to 1 Corinthians 12, it seems that the Corinthians had specific questions about the spiritual gifts. One of the main questions being which ones are most important. So Paul begins to talk about spiritual gifts. He then talks about love and the importance of love. And then in chapter 14, you come to the discussion of two specific gifts that seem to have held prominent place in Corinth, that of tongues and that of prophecy. And these gifts were being misused. They created an atmosphere of chaos and confusion instead of an environment of edification and building up the body of Christ. Therefore, when you continue to read the exhortations of the letter, it's important to read them in their context. So we're reading it in context and we're understanding uh, when we study scripture that we want to consider the literal meaning, the historical setting, the grammar, and also the synthesis, meaning as Pastor Mike mentioned, you compare scripture with scripture to get a better understanding of, of what it means. And then you, you go through what is called exegesis. That's the exposition or the explanation of the text and the passage based on careful, objective 
analysis. And so when you look at this particular passage of Scripture and you see what it means, you get to the last part, as you mentioned, in 1 Corinthians 14, and it contains verses about women being silent. And yet there is a complete unit of thought, is what I want to emphasize here, that is bracketed by two verses like bookends to, to a completed thought. So 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, what shall we say then, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn. Everyone has a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Then you go down to 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 40, and he says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly manner or decently in an order. So the point is this. The ladies in the church apparently were acting out of order. There was, there was, as Mike mentioned, they're, they're causing division. They're causing chaos. And he said, Hey, listen, ladies, it's not a problem for a woman to have a gift of prophecy, but it's supposed to be used in order. And they weren't doing that. It's, it's a separate subject completely from women being pastors, which I do not believe, as Mike said, in the New Testament sense, they're not called to be pastors. There's plenty of other things that God has called them to do that are a blessing to the body of Christ. But it seems that Paul in this section is addressing some of the disorder in the church, and he's trying to curb that from continuing because it's not helping the church being edified. And that's really what you can take from that particular passage. Yes. And and uh, again, and the the angle that I was coming from is there is a difference between male and female. Oh, 100%. And, and, and that the male is the leader. And so this is why the order of chapter 14 is written in the way that it is, so that that um, things will be done the way God wants them done. And again, uh, we follow either Old Testament or New Testament. You don't find women pastors in the church. Now, again, and I guess the reason why I say these things is because I've seen such an abuse of God's Word where they take that verse that I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, there's no difference between um, uh, Jew or Gentile, bond or free, uh, male or female. Well, see right there, we can be pastors too. That is not what that verse is talking about. And so the bottom line of your question, uh, Ben, is is that just for then or is it today? Uh, it was, of course, for then and that day. But if it falls in and the same behavior falls into a church today, I believe the th- same thing would apply then today as well. So I hope that helps. Agreed. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Oh, okay. So it, even though it was based on the cultural times, uh, but it's also how we are supposed to base our church order on it, as long as as long as the church is being edified then 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 stuff like that is is okay because I, I am totally for you know uh, uh prophetic words especially from women and um you know especially women you know singing and and under the male role i just wanted to make sure that that our church, especially because we do have some that, you know, speak prophetic words during worship service, that that it wasn't out of the church order. As long as it's all being done for the edification of Christ, then it, yeah, it then says it says really... to yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 concerning uh, tongues, you know, two or at the most three. It doesn't say two men or at the most three men. It says two or at the most three, uh, and that one explain what they're doing the word therefore interpret um uh what what was said is the word interpret uh, explanation not to change to another language if you look in the original language you'll find 
there's a difference between the word interpretation and interpret. And, and, uh, when you break that down, all of a sudden, all the, those, uh, thoughts that so many people have on, on, um, a person standing up in tongues and then, and then somebody else, uh, with, with the interpretation and all, mm-hmm. um, you, you, th- this is what, what again, uh, causes, I think, so much confusion. And it, 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 it is interesting that Paul says he wrote these things. I do not want you to be ignorant. You find Paul several times in the Bible concerning different doctrinal issues. I don't want you to be ignorant. And yet those areas are where many, many church divisions are mm-hmm. because of ignorance. I was going to say too, Mike, you know, the, the verb the verb tense in that particular passage in uh, verses 34 and, and 35 is in the present tense. In other words, what that means is Paul is addressing speech that just goes on and on and on and on, and it ignores the needs of other people. He's not forbidding speech in general. He's forbidding the kind of speech that goes on and on and disrupts the group and ignores the needs that are represented there. So in the sense, it would be like if the women, if the women are prophesying, just going on and on and on, they should be silent. Just like anybody who's speaking constantly, everybody has a, it had, it had to do with order. So it's not that they couldn't share, they couldn't minister if they were given the opportunity, but the fact is they were just dominating. And um, Paul said, Hey, that, that the order in the church that you guys need to do everything decently and in order. And that was the, the real problem that was going on in Corinth among other things. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, there's another uh, uh, understanding too, based upon historical records, that oftentimes the men would be down worshiping, you know, being taught in Bible studies, and the women were in the back of the church talking about the latest sale at Macy's or at the bazaar downtown or or at the <laughs> farmers market or whatever, and and so it was causing a disruption. Now, again, when you look at the book of Corinthians and Second Corinthians, for that matter, this, again, as you mentioned, John, is these are corrective books. And I know many people try to get doctrine from a dysfunctional church. Uh, Paul writes, if you really don't believe in life after death, if you have these kinds of problems, why are you baptizing for the dead? The Mormons begin to baptize people for the dead, and they go, well, look, see, it's in the Bible. Yeah, it was baptizing for the dead was being done uh, by a church that was outside of God's perfection. Thus, we have the letter of First and Second Corinthians to correct these things. And they were doing a lot of other really kooky things as well. They had, tri- they had changed communion into an ongoing party. Paul says, uh, you know, you know, they'd come together and they'd have their agape meal after fellowship and, and they just viewed communion as some ritualistic church thing. And they viewed communion in an unworthy fashion. Not that they were unworthy. We're all unworthy, but they, they viewed communion in an unworthy fashion. And he goes on, he says, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you. In other words, you're not applying the broken bread for your healing, as Peter says, um, to whatever it is that's ailing you, and you and you die. And that's an unfortunate thing. If you view the gifts of God, the commands of Jesus, as a, uh, a option or a necessary rhetoric, I believe we view uh, the ministry of Jesus in an unworthy fashion as well. And you can disagree with what Jesus said. 
and you'll find yourself paying a tremendous price. So hope that helps, Ben. It does. Thank you, guys, and uh, have, a, have a good Thanksgiving. You too. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. Let's go to Mary Lou, Sparks, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. How may we help? Well, I uh, dialed when you all were talking about the women should be silent in church, and I'd like to share an experience that we had. Uh, I've been to Israel three times, the last time in 2004, and the uh, Israeli, the Israel guide, our guide was able to get us into the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue, and uh, just as we entered the doors, steps went up to the balcony, so all the women were ushered up to the balcony while the men went uh, into the sanctuary to do business with God. So the guide told us that back in the day, the women would lean over the banister and say, hey, Charlie, what did he say? And he said, that's where that came from. Women should be silent in church and ask their husbands at home. Yeah, or or discuss, like I said earlier, the the sale at the farmer's market or or, you know, some other thing they were doing and it was being disruptive. John, any, any last thoughts on it? Well, I just want to say, uh, I am so thankful, uh, if we're talking about being thankful for all the women who faithfully serve oh, churches, I could not do what I am called to do if it weren't for the consistent, faithful servants, my sisters in Christ doing what God has called them to do. I, I would not be able to do what I'm doing. And so for me, I am extremely grateful for my sisters in the Lord and how they serve God. And, and it's, it's a complementary role. I have certain gifts. They have certain gifts. We all, we're part of the body of Christ. We, we are one in Christ. In fact, you know, that's the gospel that really elevated women to the proper place. Paul would say, let the women learn, you know, because in that culture, they wouldn't be allowed to. But Paul says, let them learn. Jesus had women who, who were his disciples. They were his followers. The first person to be entrusted with the message of the resurrection was a woman who was formerly possessed by seven demons, Mary Magdalene. So I am grateful for the sisters in Christ and glad for the input that they provide in the body. Yeah, we would all be in bad shape if it wasn't (laughs) for that. I remember I went to a church one time and the pastor had his wife share to the congregation about a a way, biblically speaking, a man should treat a woman. And it was great. There was nothing I saw wrong with that at all. She was under authority. Uh, She wasn't putting men down. She was just saying how we view that love language differently. And it was so, so well done. Mm. Mary Lou, I hope that answers it for you. And uh, if you got a question following this, we're coming up on the break. We'll come back to you afterwards. And if it did answer your question, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, and we'll be back for more to every man and answer right after this. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share
share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. It all came down to the ultrasound. And I saw this little lima bean looking thing with a halo. When this mom came to a preborn center, a baby wasn't really in her plans. I got to hear the heartbeat and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. After hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her baby on ultrasound, this mom's plans changed. My choice to become a mom, hear those little footsteps running down the hallway every morning is all because I had an ultrasound. It saved my life and hers. When an expected mother meets her baby on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to choose life. Preborn's network of clinics are the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and have rescued over 270,000 babies. To learn how you can rescue a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. back to part two of to every man and answer on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon before Thanksgiving. I'm your host and I have with us John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South Orange County, down by San Clemente. If you're out visiting in the area, especially during the holidays, I know John would love to see you at church. And so uh, I personally like to invite you to John's fellowship there. Calvary Chapel OC uh, is a place I know you'll be blessed. Well, let's go back to the phones. We have Jonathan on the line in Texas. Hi, and welcome. Hi, how you doing? Good. How may we help? Hey, I was calling because I'm looking for a new church. Um, so we've been going around some different places. And um, what's this one? I've been there for five weeks now, and I liked it. Um, so we kind of looked at they have a membership program where they teach you about their vision and beliefs and getting everyone on the same page, core values, et cetera. And then they went over something called a spiritual covering. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, right off their page, it just says, we believe in spiritual covering that this is the same blessing that is on our house is passed on to your house when you're submitted to the covering. Um, and I never heard the term submitted or excuse me of, uh, spiritual coverings. So I started looking into it a little bit, but essentially their thought process is, um, you know, that their prophetic words would also be prophetic words on you and you're protected from spiritual attacks and, um, you're under their blessings that is passed on through through God, essentially, you know, to them. And I didn't know how to feel about that. I wanted to get you guys a state. Well, you know, we we do remember in the New Testament, in going back to the church at Corinth, there was a guy and he was carrying on some kind of a, an affair relationship with his stepmother. And Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, you know, you're you're all patting yourselves on the back because you're tolerating this guy, but really he should be placed out of the church and turned over to Satan. Now, what does that mean? Well, there is protection and there is a blessing in the body of Christ. And by being placed outside of it, I believe you are open to various different things that can come at you. Because you've closed your mind off, you've closed your heart off to the voice of God. 
And so, therefore, you are open to false doctrine. I believe you can be open for demonic attack, because I think a lot of times people don't understand really the blessing of being part of a fellowship. One mind, one heart, one body, serving Christ, so important. And so Paul says, put this guy out of the church, um, and that Satan would, would, you know, come after him and he would repent and come back into the church. And in Second Corinthians, he actually did that very thing, that he came back. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I've been reading up on, and I will be curious if I, if I might just ask you one question, Jonathan. Um, can you tell me, is it a denominational church? Is it part of the new apostolic reformation? Is it a charismatic movement? That might give me a little bit, I could respond a little bit better. What kind of church is it? Well, my, my understanding is that it's non-denominational. Um, okay. They, they do, they do say they submit to authority. Um, you know, the, the lead pastor says he is the authority, but he has elders that he, that, that, Together, okay. um, they submit to an apostolic elder, uh, elders. They have three apostolic elders that is outside of the church. That if they can't apostolic come to union, elders, they, okay. they, yeah, that they that they then can essentially consult with them to help there be unity in the church. Okay, so non-denominational. I will say there's there is something that concerning a spiritual covering that is sometimes referred to, and I don't know if this is the case with with your uh, experience, but with something called the shepherding movement, which you need to be careful. There, there can be, and again, I, I do believe that we are to be accountable to one another. There is the need for accountability. I agree with that a hundred percent. But in some cases, it means that a Christian submits to the authority of another believer in a way that his or her spiritual life or ministry is valid to God only under the direction or the direct supervision of a specific person. And that person is usually the elder, the pastor, or the older, more mature Christian. And 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 initially developed, again, you, you see this in some of the, the charismatic movements, some of the uh, associated with the NAR movements. And so I, I would say you have to be aware of that. Submission is biblical. Accountability is is biblical. We need that. I just think as long as there's no uh, overstepping their authority in your life and, and you know, in that kind of way, um, the language is is different to me. I couldn't say to I, I personally as a pastor over a church uh, for the last 26 years, I don't think I've ever used those words that you mentioned to define our church and what we do. So it so maybe it's I'm not aware of what they mean by that, but I do find a check in my own heart, just my own opinion uh, as a pastor to every man and answer here, I, I, I would be, I'd question it too. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. And, and you said something else that was a little concerning that this pastor is subject to these three apostolic people. Uh, now that can go to the moon on that. Uh, because if these three fellas are calling themselves capital apostles, we're all apostles. We're all sent. That, the word apostle means sent. But if they're somehow have established in their hierarchy that these three are, uh, at the same level that Peter and John and the others were, I, I would move away from that. Yes. Yeah, so what, what they said was, um, he is the, the, the lead pastor. And so he is the authority of the church, but he has to, Submit to the authority of the elders, you know, of the church union. Mm-hmm. So if they make a decision, they want to make sure that they're all on the same page. If they're not completely in unity, then they would then consult the apostolic elders, uh, which is these so, three people, and I won't say their names. 
Yeah. Okay. See, and that to me is a little unusual. Now, another thing, John, we, we might want to mm-hmm. talk about here. Right. Is, is the, the idea that it's not really a pastor directed church. It is a board ran church. It is a presbytery church, not, not, um, uh, not where the pastor sets the direction of the church. Uh, you, you know, you don't, as a, as a pastor and elders, you don't want to put, um, some people said one time, you just want to put yes men around you. And I, I said, well, you don't think I'm stupid enough to put no men around me, do you? I want people that agree with the, the vision that God has given us to do. And when that works and the elders help keep everything working the way that it should, it isn't the pastor makes a suggestion, then the elders vote on it. And they go, oh, yes, that's the direction we should go. The pastor's really not then in control of that church. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think there's there's different ways in which uh, I guess you would say church government is established. There are different methods. I found that no matter what church government that you employ within your church, there's always a potential for problems because there are fallen people involved. But you want to have people who are spirit filled, who love the Lord. I guess, Jonathan, my, my one question to you as we as we kind of try to walk through this together is, why is there a check in your own heart? Why is it that, is it just, I've never heard this before? It doesn't sit well with you. I suppose that as you continue, if you continue to go through the classes or you, you know, become a quote unquote member of this particular church and um, then you're, you'll see more. Uh, I guess my other question would be, how does your wife feel about it? That's always a good pulse for me. You know, I asked my wife, Hey, what, how, what do you think about that? But um, I, it, it is to, just to answer the question, it is a little, for me, the whole spiritual covering aspect of things, I don't have that in any of our uh, words that would describe our church. We have a spiritual covering. If you want to be in our covering is your cover. That That is unique. I, I don't, I'm not very familiar with that kind of terminology. So I would have to dig a little bit deeper myself, kind of like you're doing. But but if I, I found that if something's unsettling or something I'm, I have a question about, I, I'd even ask the guys, I'd ask the pastors, hey, can you explain this to me? Because I don't fully can you explain exactly what this means? Not just what you've written out, but how do you, how does this apply practically in my life? And that would be uh, a, a real insight as to whether I'm going to be a, a member of this particular fellowship. I hope that helps. Uh, yeah, no, that does. That That's awesome. I appreciate you guys' help. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and, and again, then it, it goes to the, the three, uh, um, so to speak, apostolic people and my question there would be, are these guys elevating themselves to the position of an apostle? And not a sent one, little a, but a capital A like John and Peter and the others. That's where I would have a real problem. So Jonathan, stay in line, send you out a little book called Time to Grow, the movie Jesus based on the book of Luke and um, God of Wonders. I think those are all really great for evangelists. So stay in line, we'll get you taken care of. We're going to go to Cindy in Prineville, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hello, pastors. Yeah, I just had a question about prayer beads. I know uh, I I was born and raised Catholic. I left that many, many years ago, and the, the rosary always concerned me. But um, I have been hearing lately about prayer beads, and I wanted to know what your guys' take was on that. Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, we cry, Daddy. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father, which art in heaven. If my children came to me with a bunch of beads, feeling the beads and then talking, I would say, what is wrong with you? 
I want my children to talk to me from their heart. And I believe that's the way our Father in Heaven wants us to talk to Him. Not by feeling beads, but what's really on your heart, your thoughts. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, He said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There is no mention in the Scriptures anywhere about using beads to pray. Therefore, if Jesus did not teach it, if Jesus did not model it, if the apostles did not teach it, if it wasn't used in the early church, if it's not found in the epistles, um, Cindy, I think it's a good idea to not use beads because they are pointless. I think that is something that is man-made. And I, I feel like you already know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I would encourage anybody who's clinging to a bead or clinging to a crystal or holding onto a rock, Statue. Whatever, whatever else you're, yeah, whatever else that you're, those, that, that is powerless. The power is in the name of Jesus. The power is in prayer and communicating. Jesus said, just pray to me and I'll, and I'll, I'll hear you when you pray. But, but beads are unnecessary and, and they're not biblical. And let me say that. And so I would avoid those altogether. And if the Bible's the authority in your life, then then that's what you want to live by. And so a prayer is important. Beads are insignificant. And, and in doing so, you're free. I don't have to have my beads to pray. I can pray anytime. Anytime. Cindy, I hope that helps. About it. So it does help. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. God bless you, Cindy. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Stay in line if you like. Send you out the movie Jesus, God of Wonders, uh, Time to Grow. Are yours for staying on the line. And God bless you. Let's go to Steve in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Yes, hi, Pastors. Uh, appreciate your uh, show. Um, I have a question with regards to Leviticus 12, uh, with regards to the time of uncleanness after a woman gives birth, uh, with regards yes. to why is there a difference between a male child being 40 days versus a female child being 80 days? Okay, John, your thoughts. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for that, Mike. Yeah, um, I, I, apparently, <laughs> apparently they needed more cleansing. Um, yeah, there was a difference, uh, in days. I, I can't tell you like off the top of my head, why was it longer, uh, for the, for the purification of, of between the two other than, um, uh, you know, there was the need to be, to, to have, uh, purification. And again, I will say also un, under Leviticus, that's the, that's the old covenant under the, the, under the, uh, under the law. I can't imagine too, you know, you look back at Leviticus and you think about where these people were living when these commands were given. I mean, they're in the wilderness. I mean, Moses is passing this on to a people that are in the midst of a, a wilderness and, and they don't have access to hospitals and they don't have access to, to everything that we do today in a cleanly, sterile environment. So there was something that was significant about the um, Levitical cleansing and ceremonially as related to the to the women that was important uh, 40, 40 days for a girl a child and 80 days um, it's it's a really good question Mike I'm curious your take on it <laughs> yeah you, you know uh, I uh, offhand um, um, in, in when we look at it really um, I I don't know I, I I wish I could answer that. I I've never I've never been asked that question, <laughs> you know. So uh, I'll I'll do a little research on it for you and and see what I can come up with, rather than saying uh, something that I, I, I might regret, you know. So, uh, but a great question, Stephen. Shows you've been reading close. Yeah, it's good. 
Uh, well, thank you very much, pastors. Um, I, I, I've been trying to find an answer for this, and I just haven't been satisfied with any answer. So anything you guys come up with, I'd be really interested to hear. Yeah. Let, uh, let me look through my notes here, and I'll see what I can come up even maybe before the show's over, uh, Stephen. And if you like, stay in line, and then we'll try to maybe swing swing back on this in the next few minutes. So uh, if if, uh, if uh if you want to stay on, you can. Otherwise, uh, we'll just do our, do our best to answer it. Yeah, um, I was going to add to one thing to that is that thankfully we're not under the Levitical law any longer. We are not under the old covenant. The the good news is we're under the new covenant. Sometimes you read things in the old covenant, you think, why did they do this? And you don't necessarily have an answer. Hey, how come two turtle doves? Why a pigeon? Why why a lamb? Why why did they do that when they did this? Because God said to do it, <laughs> and then you move to the new covenant. You think, "Wow, praise God!" You know, we don't have to we don't have to do that anymore because uh, there's there's a sacrifice that's been made once for all, according to the Book of Hebrews, and you don't need to do that anymore. That was something they did back then. What was the reason? Sometimes you're given it, other times you aren't. The good news is you don't have to do that anymore because of the new covenant uh, by the blood of Jesus. So praise God for that. Yeah. So and and usually the time after child was born. Uh, because they didn't have the modern conveniences of hospitals and all, it was a time of rest for the mother primarily, uh, all those different things. Now, why it was twice as long for a girl over a boy, um, that I'm going to have to do a little bit more research on. But generally, the, the, the aftermath after a child was born was to give the mom rest, give her time with the child for nursing and all those kinds of things in those very very critical first few days of life for the baby. Uh, but, um, the, um, twice as long for the, for the girl. I'm going to have to do a little more research on that one. Okay, Stephen. I appreciate that, Pastor. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Mm-hmm. And, um, we'll go to Dean Pace in Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hello. Uh, I've got a question. Um, and, uh, I haven't found it directly answered in Scripture, but it seems to me it's implied. Jesus is observing to his disciples that it would be better for someone to have a millstone around their neck and be cast in the sea. And it reads on a little further why. But it implicit in there may be that there are levels of uh, uh, suffering in hell. Otherwise, is termination, I don't understand how that would be a benefit going, that's like going uh, straight past go to jail without collecting $200. He doesn't, in other words, his life is shortened immediately and he ends up there. I'm not sure that the difference between that and uh, living his life and then being destined to hell uh, is better. Well, you know, Jesus said some will be beaten with many stripes and some with few. Uh, So that would seem to indicate something along that lines. Then, of course, is the great white throne judgment at the end of man's, uh, you know, this whole world. And and, um, they'll be judged according to what they've done. Uh, Now, of course, those who are not written in the book of life will not enter into heaven. However. Um, those that have been judged for different things, it appears that there is. I, I listened to Raul Reach, Reese teach on this one time concerning, uh, levels of punishment in hell. And he certainly believed that that is, uh, a, a really, uh, probably a reality. Your thoughts, John? 
Well, you know, Revelation chapter 20, uh, it does say that uh, when the books are open, the dead, small and great standing before, as you mentioned, the white throne, uh, a book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So they were judged according to what they had done. And so are there different levels? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But here's what I want to say concerning that. Listen, Jesus died so you would never have to go to hell. Hell is separation from God for eternity. Whether there are levels of it, it is something, it is your worst nightmare. It's a place where the fire is never quenched, where the worm never dies, where there is eternal darkness and cognizance of the decisions that you have made in that you have rejected Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that, friends, is why Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, shed his blood, so we would never have to be in hell. We want to be in heaven. That's where Jesus is. That's where the joy of the Lord is. And and so I would say, regardless of whether there are levels, that any level, you do not want to be there. You want to be in the presence of God for eternity, not separated from him, uh, Mike. And so I would encourage our listeners, hey, listen, if you're not a Christian today, today be a great day to call upon Jesus and be saved. So I hope that that answers it for you. It does. Amen. I, uh, uh, I'm a, a long, a long-term um, believer, and uh, I just Amen. that is being asked of a question who is not, and I wanted to to see if I could find where I could mm. point to that. I mean, I assume it into that. I don't know if Jesus has got a simile going there when he speaks of it, but. Uh, uh, I just wanted to be able to answer that, and I was hoping mm. for uh, a scripture that hits at eight on. And it sounds like Revelations twenty is one of the places to go. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, and then and then uh, John, do you have a reference on that? Some will be. Yeah, that was Revelation chapter twenty, yes. and that is in verse uh, twelve. Yes. So, some will be beaten with many stripes, some with few. So uh, that speaks of degrees of punishment. So, hope that helps. Yes. Amen. It does. Thank you. Dean, God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Stay in line if you like. Send you out some books and DVDs. And let's go to Ray, Seaside, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Oh, William? Yes. Yes, hi. How may we help? Yeah, I appreciate your guys and CSN and your ministry have there. It's a wonderful worldwide ministry. But um, I have a question, and I'm when I read across it, and... Um, at Matthew's uh, twenty sixteen, where they had the vineyard open there, and the guy had the Lord, uh, well, uh, the master of the vineyard brought people in and at different hours of the day, and then they paid him all the same at the end. And so, um, but uh, in sixteen, it ends in the um, in the new living. It doesn't have the. Um, uh, many are called, but few are chosen. But the King James has, uh, so at the last, uh, the last will be first and the first will be, uh, will be the last. Uh, and then it says many are called, but few are chosen. And that's the words there that I, I, I'm wondering about the chosen and the called. And I used to have a guy in a Bible study that would always ask me, uh, well, were you called or chosen, William? And I, and I'd say, well, uh, well, I believe I was called, but someone like Paul was chosen. And um, but uh, what's your take on that? Okay, your thoughts, John. Well, um, 
I believe it says what it says. I, I do believe that we are called, but we are also chosen. The Bible talks about the fact that we were chosen before the foundations of the world. I believe it was D.L. Moody that said, I'm glad God chose me before the foundations of the world because he certainly wouldn't have chosen me now. But I'm just grateful for it. I'm glad to be called and I'm also glad to be chosen. And I, you know, when you come to passages like that in scripture, Mike, for me, I think I am most encouraged and blessed when I just receive it for what it says. I, God has chosen us, the Bible says, and he's also called us. I've called you by name. You're mine, the Bible says. I love that. And so, uh, I, I would agree with, with both. At the same time, many are called, but, but few are chosen. I think you have to read it in the context of the parable that is mentioned there concerning the kingdom of God and, and the, uh, how it operates and the justice of God, all of that, I think in context, rather than just take that verse out, but like put it in, in the verses before and, and the verses uh, associated with it. I think then you get the real understanding of the passage itself. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I believe that again, uh, for God so loved the world. And, uh, then we find further on whosoever would believe in him. So I believe God's called everyone. Um, when we come to God, it is interesting to me that some God seems to single out for specific ministry. And I think that probably is what this is talking about. Because again, God knows all things. God does not learn. And so he lives in all times present. And this is where many of the people into uh, the... Uh, you know, the, the, the belief system that, well, you didn't choose God, God chose you. And if you're not chosen, well, there's nothing you can do about it. I don't believe that is what this is talking about. I believe this is positional rather than general. And we do know that God had chosen Paul as an example, uh, mm -hmm. to go, uh, to the Gentiles. We know that God had chosen Peter to go to the Jews. I believe that uh, as Jesus looked at the disciples, and this is a verse that's often misquoted as well. It's not that I chose you, that you chose me, I chose you. Well, he said that to his disciples. He didn't say that to everyone. And this is where uh, these different ideas come from. But I believe that in the body of Christ, God does choose us for certain things many times. And I, I believe that's where it falls back on. Any last thoughts? Well, I just, I love that passage of scripture, uh, Pastor Mike in Ephesians 1, 4, where it says, just as he chose us in him, in Christ before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in, in love. And I think, uh, that, that's so encouraging. But that passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 20, again, I would read it in the context of the parable itself as he's talking about the vineyard and those being sent out to labor in it. And that's the best way to arrive at the conclusion of what does that verse exactly mean? You read it in its Yeah, going back, to, going back to Stephen very quickly, why was a woman's longer than a man's? It's probably many people believe it's because the woman is the one who sinned in the garden. And mm. because of that, uh, God reminds, we're reminding everybody of that. To find out have a, have a good night. God bless you. a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 